So Money is brought to you by CNET, the site that shows how to navigate change all around us. So Money, episode 1328, Misha Esipov, co-founder and CEO of Nova Credit. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. One of the things that makes the crisis in Ukraine and, and, and the war unique uh, objectively to you know what's ha- what happened historically in other past refugee crises like in Syria and Afghanistan is that the credit reporting system is actually relatively well built out. There are three bureaus, they have fairly high coverage. And so in, in those past refugee crises where there wasn't any data to be able to rely upon, there is opportunity here to allow those individuals, you know, hundreds of thousands today, could be millions quite quite soon, to unlock their own data and to arrive in today what is Poland and other parts of Eastern Europe and over time will become broader parts of Europe and, and North America and not have to start over. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. We are talking about money at the intersection of credit and equity. Our guest is Misha Asipov. He is co-founder and CEO of Nova Credit, a company that is on a mission to build a fair and inclusive financial system for the world. The company helps U.S. newcomers to use their international credit history to apply for credit cards and auto loans, rental properties, and lots more with what it calls the credit passport and unlocks financial opportunities for those historically excluded from the credit system. Misha is an immigrant himself, his family from Russia. He spent many of his younger years in Ukraine. We touch on that crisis and Misha provides his experiences, his thoughts. Here's Misha Esipov. Misha Esipov, welcome to So Money. It's great to have you. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. When I got the uh, email from your team about uh, perhaps having you on the show, it was a no-brainer. As my audience knows, we love to talk about all the ways, all the different ways within the financial world that we can build more equity, equal access and opportunity for people. And uh, your company... Nova Credit is working at the intersection of credit health, credit accessibility, and immigration. Can you tell us a little about Nova Credit and the idea behind it? What drove you and your team to launch it? Yeah, more more than happy to. Yeah, so we we started about uh, five or six years ago by by realizing fairly simple problem statement, which is that half of the uh, international graduate students, uh, half half of the graduate students are foreign, and one hundred percent of that half doesn't have access to basic financial services. Right? If you ask them about can you get a credit card, an auto loan, a student loan, an apartment lease, all of those products uh, are very challenging to access when you first arrive in this country because you have to have U.S. credit history to to unlock them. And it's sort of one of these industry problems that's been around for for, for decades, and we we set out to to solve it. And, and the way that Nova Credit uh, does that is through a product that we call uh, the Credit Passport, where we allow somebody who recently moved to the United States to bring their credit history, their financial identity, uh, with them uh, in real time, and use that to unlock opportunity here. 
And depending on where you're coming from, that credit history could look very different. So in terms of trying to bring over that information and make it so that our financial system, our current financial system, which can be cumbersome and it can be bureaucratic and it can be sometimes not very empathetic. How do you translate that in such a way where somebody who's you know, getting an application, crossing their desk from someone can be able to see the validity of this and believe in it? Because at the end of the day, your credit history and your credit report, is, it's, a, it's a litmus test, right? For how worthy of a borrower you will be. The bank is taking a risk on you. So how do you illustrate this? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, let's just start first with with the status quo, which is for you know for for this community of people that that arrive every year, and, and we think the market's roughly kind of two or three million million folks that come here from from all over the world, two hundred plus countries. When they first arrive, you know they start without any identity here, and so anything to do with applying digitally, even walking into branches, uh, it is incredibly incredibly challenging. And uh, as as we went around the world, we we realized that. Uh, the same way that you know the big three credit bureaus exist here, Experian, Equifax, TransUnion, uh, they exist around the world. They have competitors around the world, and through the hard work of those institutions, as well as organizations like the, the United Nations and the, the IFC and the World Bank, credit reporting has emerged all around the world to support the fair access to consumer credit in basically all emerging markets and and, and developed markets. And so, there are very few economies at this point that don't have uh, a credit bureau. I think part of your question is like, you know, how are the, how do you account for the nuances of the differences of credit reporting all all around the world? I mean, we could do a two hour session just, just on that. Uh, (laughs) But, but in a nutshell, you know, there are differences, but but at the end of the day, uh, the information that's being recorded is, you know, how well does somebody perform on the obligations that they, that they take on, right? So if someone is, is you know borrowing for a mortgage in Brazil or a gold loan in India? At the end of the day, they're making a commitment to uh, repay an obligation in exchange for some capital upfront, and their ability to do that uh, on time is what is being recorded, and that information is what can be used to build a financial profile for somebody that can actually be used across borders. So many questions for you. This is fascinating stuff. Just to bounce around here, and you kind of touched on this, but left for you to go deeper on the experience for someone who comes to this country without the traditional credit history. What what barriers do they experience and how does that translate into financial setbacks and an inability to build wealth in a country where so much of our financial system is rooted in your access to credit? We think about this uh, fairly chronologically and, and, and it really, the journey starts even prior to you know arriving in this country. So, you know, de- depending on your, your reason for coming and we sort of broadly, you know, segment the consumer population into foreign professionals, foreign students, uh, and then those in pursuit of love. Uh, so that, you know, captures uh, dependence in, in many ways. And the journey typically starts with getting access to, you know, a visa and the means to come here, uh, buying a flight ticket. But when you, when you first arrive, within your first few days, there's a, a number of things that you need to establish, right? You, you need to get a place to stay. Uh, maybe you'd worked on that before arriving. So apartment leases is 
is one of the many challenges we work on. Most people don't go for a mortgage right away. So we, we typically start with apartment leases. Uh, opening up a bank account is incredibly difficult for this segment because there is no identity data that exists about them in the US system. And so doing so online is very cumbersome if you're lucky. And then there's the various sort of credit related products that clearly require credit history. So getting your first credit card, getting your first auto loan or lease, getting a cell phone plan is typically something you need to get within your first few days and potentially getting device financing on that on that plan. And so all of those things require history, which simply has historically never existed on you here by virtue of you just arriving. Right. And in some ways, your company, Credit Nova, the timing couldn't have been better. I would say even in more recent months and years where talked about how this is a huge industry-wide problem, but for years has not gone unaddressed. And But in some ways, we almost needed for a couple of things to happen, which was one, other countries where these immigrants are coming from to be credit developed so that there is something to transfer over. But additionally, there is this movement in our country now to create more pathways for people to develop credit. Whether you're looking at, for example, now rental history can be counted towards your FICO credit score and even things like your utility, your Netflix subscription, things like that. In some ways, that has allowed, would you say, for your company to flourish now or you're being supported by these tailwinds in some ways? Yeah. I mean, I I think the the industry's beginning to adopt what I'll broadly characterize as alternative data. You know, I would include things like rental history, utility history, you know, Netflix payment subscriptions. And so I think that uh, openness to using non-traditional credit bureau data is making it slightly easier for banks and credit risk teams to get comfortable with uh, using you know, new, new forms of information. But you know, this, is, this is new stuff. Like the US regulatory environment when it was created around credit reporting hadn't really contemplated uh, a global credit bureau. Uh, and that's effectively what what we are. We've we've gone around the world. We've we've stitched together these disparate credit reporting systems into one global network, where it doesn't matter where you're from or where you're going. You can now uh, use your information to help unlock uh, the various financial services that you need. And all the things that you describe, those are things that take you know many months, if not years, to really take take shape and take form. But the need for the consumer, which is really how we think about building our product, the need is most acute upon arrival. Uh, and that's really where we can create really a transformational experience for this segment. We've come a long way. I remember my parents when they immigrated here, you know, they came from Iran. So there wasn't really, and this was the 70s, so not really an established credit uh, backbone like there was in the United States. And I remember my father kept a booklet of credit cards that he would show to me almost like you would show baseball cards to a friend because for him, getting credit in America was almost a rite of passage. It felt very American dreamish. Uh, Tell us a little bit about some of the results that you're getting for your, would you call them your consumers, your your community? We use the term newcomer. Newcomer. Uh, sort of the, the term we landed on because, you know, using the word immigrant means a lot of different things for, 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 for this community. Some people, you know, really take pride in that word. Others don't like that word because they don't have the intent to become American. So new, newcomer is sort of the, the word that we've, we've landed on to really describe, you know, immigrants, migrants, refugees, expats, asylees, and various other sub-segments here. Yeah. But I, I mean, for, you know, the, the, the immigrant journey, we, he, we hear about it all the time. I mean, I, I first moved to the U.S. about 30 years ago from, from uh, the former Soviet Union. You know, it is, a, it is a vulnerable period of transition. And 
learning a new language and retraining yourself professionally. And you're doing that in an environment where you don't have the same social safety net that you had in your home country, right? In your home country, something goes wrong. The banking sector is open to you. If you know it's a country that has a robust banking sector, but worst case scenario, you should have friends and family who hopefully have the ability to step in. Whereas here, you're sort of you're you're, you're arriving, uh, you know, in, in almost alone. It's a, in many ways, it's a lonely journey. And on top of that, the banking sector shuts you out. And I'm, I'm not suggesting that they're doing so intentionally, but they're doing so because they've never had the technology and the systems to enable them to actually serve this segment. And that has now changed. Misha, you, I understand you recently put out a statement about what's going on uh, with the Russia-Ukraine war. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And how, as far as also the implications for immigrants here and their credit uh, viability? To state the obvious, it's you know an incredible you know tragedy that's going on in the world and incredibly sad and heartbreaking having, you know, spent um, a lot of time in Ukraine growing up. And, and I think what, what we're expecting is unfortunately, and the UN has put numbers out about this, you know, up to 5 million people that we're going to, that are going to leave Ukraine in search of, of refuge. And there's roughly half a million have already left, which is just, those are absolutely mind blowing numbers. And I think speaks to the, the chaos and how scared people are, but also only respect for, how people are, are, are bunkered up and defending their country in Ukraine. I, I think with respect to what this could mean for, for us in, in the broader fintech space, you know, our business exists in support of migratory people and, and people who are moving around the world. And that certainly includes refugees. But one of the things that makes the crisis in Ukraine and, and, and the war unique uh, objectively to, you know, what's ha- what happened historically in other past refugee crises like in Syria and Afghanistan is that the credit reporting system is actually relatively well built out. There are three bureaus, they have fairly high coverage. And so in, in those past refugee crises where there wasn't any data to be able to rely upon, there is opportunity here to allow those individuals, you know, hundreds of thousands today, could be millions quite, quite soon, to unlock their own data and to arrive in today what is Poland and other parts of Eastern Europe and over time will become broader parts of Europe and, and North America and not have to start over. And so we are uh, quickly mobilizing to try to build relationships with those the bureaus in Ukraine. We don't currently have one. We have uh, reached out in multiple ways over the course of uh, the past week, and we're doing uh, the best we can to, to to step in and build a solution that can help those people. Are you in contact with any friends or family there and how are they doing? My mother was, has been on the phone day and, day and night speaking with friends and family there. I mean, it is uh, it's terrifying. Uh, yeah. What's going on? I think people are, you know, fighting for their lives right now, and it's a uh, it's heartbreaking to hear what's what's going on. It is a time of war. It's it's an opportunity, and I think uh, uh, an, an important moment for people here listening to step in and, and and do what they can. Absolutely. What other gaps do you see for newcomers who come to this country hoping to build their financial life? Clearly, you've you've mastered that credit development area, but what else are you learning from your newcomers? What are they asking for in addition to maybe credit support? Yeah, so we, we've primarily focused on unlocking the various financial products. So cards, student loans, auto, some personal loans. Uh, we haven't done much in mortgage to date, uh, apartment leases. Uh, device financing; Th- those have largely been the big ones where, where we have focused, and we've got certainly a lot, lot, a lot more work to do to really unlock the financial system. Uh, I think our, you know, from a mission perspective, we are focused on 
you know, creating systemic change for this segment, not just unlocking one or two, you know, uh, major issuers or major lenders. We want uh, for this segment of people to arrive and be treated as if they were uh, still, you know, as if they had lived in the United States their whole their whole life. Um, anytime that information asymmetry exists, but I think to, to the core of your question, outside of financial services, there are. Uh, opportunities and some great companies out there working on on problems around helping newcomers uh, automatically apply for visas, um, helping um, people go through the relocation experience. Um, so, you know, getting your first driver's license when you arrive, uh, services that help you get your social security number for the first time, uh, and various sort of government or government-related identification processes. There's some great companies out there that work on that kind of stuff. You mentioned um, that you moved here 30 years ago. And in fact, all your founders, co-founders are, are from other countries, born in other countries, as I understand. Can you share some of the experiences of your own personal credit journeys the challenges and and what maybe wouldn't have happened if Nova Credit existed all those years ago. Um, well, when I when I first arrived, I was a child. Uh, so, so yeah, but you know, children's credit history. Maybe maybe we'll make that portable. Uh, <laughs> too. But you know, my my parents. Uh, it took us. You know, we moved first to upstate New York, and it took us over a year to save up enough cash to be able to buy our first used car. And like living up up in the burbs without a vehicle is you know a challenging uh, way to uh, to exist and to work. And you know I've I've heard plenty of stories from my family and extended family about some of those those challenges. I think with my two co-founders, you know they came to the United States for graduate school, and so they sort of experienced the the typical international student experience of uh, everything I've already described. You know which is not the least acute part of uh, the experience, right? Because typically a university is already doing everything they can to support their international students. Uh, certainly, room for for improvement, but that's sort of where you know where their passion for this problem came. As someone who is so centered in fintech and has been working in fintech for number number of years, I mean, you have so many colleagues, and I'm sure you go to all the events. Uh, Want to know what can we expect on the forefront? What are your colleagues looking at as far as like the next inventions? Fintech continues to be one of the sectors I think that gets continuous funding in any economy. There's always a need for new innovation, whether it's addressing things like equity or accessibility or more affordability. What are you seeing? What are you excited about? At the core of, of what we do, we enable a consumer who, in the middle of a credit application, sort of at the point when they have the greatest need for a financial product, to unlock a piece of data about themselves that enables them to put their best foot forward and have the highest likelihood of approval. And so we, we started that with the Credit Passport, which is really, you know, that is our flagship product. We have access to about one and a half billion credit files all over the world. We think it's more than any company uh, out there. And there are a number of data solutions that, that we and, you know, the fintech space in general are, are working on to bring more data into the equation to allow more people to put their best foot forward. So. I think you know as you, as you look to us and our story and and what we'll be announcing over the coming months, we're starting to do a lot more work with uh, open banking data, uh, so bank transaction data through a series of partners. We've had some announcements about this with partners like SoFi uh, over the course of the last few months, and there's a number of of additional data sources that we want to bring into the equation. Uh, that we think can serve not only recent immigrants, but frankly, anyone who is discouraged by the credit system or, or struggling with uh, their U.S. credit file. 
Who are the ideal country partners? Because I would imagine that some countries wouldn't want to cooperate. They wouldn't want to release or provide credit data to America. So how have those relationships gone? So I think the the important lens to remember here is that, you know, this data from the perspective of almost all data privacy uh, and consumer reporting rules is viewed as the consumer's data. The same way that you have a right to go to uh, Experian.com, TransUnion, Equifax.com and pull your own credit file, that principle exists all over the world. So it doesn't, doesn't really matter where you're physically located, you have a right to access your own information. And it's really on that principle that, that we are able to enable an individual to pull their own information and use that as part of an application here in the United States. And obviously, there's an incredible amount of technology and data standardization that's happening behind the scenes. And that's really core to, to our IP and everything that we've, we've built as a business. But from the perspective of you know uh, you know global data privacy is and competitive tensions around the world among geo you know from the perspective of geopolitics, it is the consumer's data, and so long as you believe that, then that data has a, has an ability and a right uh, to move alongside that consumer uh, as that consumer moves. I know you're biased, but why hasn't anyone else come up with this idea yet? I mean, why hasn't Experian figured this out yet? You're uh, leading this this charge, and it would seem like this is something that would be very interesting to a company that's already rooted in credit credit business. Uh, you're, you're welcome to ask them uh, yourself I'd be <laughs> what they'd say, but I, I mean, I, I think if you actually if, if you do the work to look at the global credit reporting landscape, uh, what you'll see is that no individual company has a truly global footprint. Like if you look at the big three, Experian, Equifax, TransUnion, they exist around the world, but they're actually more sort of regionally focused. And so if you actually map the uh, global data assets that those businesses control around the world relative to uh, migrant flows into the United States, they don't have a critical mass of coverage on their own. And that's one of the reasons why you know we've been able to emerge here as a new entrant in partnership with the various incumbents and credit bureaus all around the world. And, and we're sort of like a, a non-threatening partner that's been able to work with everybody and solve an industry-wide problem that no incumbent on their own was well positioned to solve. Well, before we go, as a founder, I would love for you to share some advice for our audience, someone who uh, may be listening, thinking, I want to start a company and I would like to do it in fintech. What has been your experience with fundraising? I know you've been very successful. You and your co-founders have raised tens of millions of dollars for Nova Credit. And you know we've heard all the same sort of advice where you know have a business plan and be passionate. And but when you're in the room and you're asking for the money, what has worked for you? Don't hide the biggest business challenges in your business. My philosophy on fundraising is that. The way to build trust with an investor is to name the biggest issues in the business before they get to them themselves. Mm-hmm. And so core to you know, an investor presentation is you know, laying out what are the biggest objections that you've heard in your first set of investor conversations as you're fine-tuning your narrative. And don't try to like skirt past those. Right? I think a lot of founders are like, you know, trying to get to the bright and shiny ideas and, and they're just so excited about their passion that it kind of comes across as you know unrealistic if you're not also objectively talking about the risks and the concerns. 
but doing so in a way while also bringing forward the mitigants is how you is how you build trust. And so I'll give you an example. So for us, you know, one of the big concerns early on was, you know, well, how big is this market? Like, are there really enough immigrants and, and, and newcomers into the United States to build, you know, a large multi-billion-dollar um, going concern business? And I would, you know, very early on in the presentation say that one of my biggest concerns in starting this business was that very question. Like, are there actually enough people? And then I will go through the math of how I believe uh, and how we've now proven, you know, there's enough of a market to create here, you know, to serve this community and and build a great business. Well said. Yeah. I I saw that recently to a friend of mine who's raised, uh, well, she sold her company for a billion dollars, Cindy Eckert. And she said this similarly. She's like, don't say you don't have competitors. <laughs> don't say that you're the first uh, to come up with this idea because you're not. Just to be really, to your point, really honest about the totality of what you're facing, the pros and the cons, because you better believe those investors have done their homework as well. Misha, thank you so much for joining us. Very excited to share Nova Credit with our audience, uh, where I know many listeners have written in in the past talking about exactly this, this problem that you are solving, which is how do I establish credit as someone who's moved here recently or a spouse who's moved here recently. Congrats to you and your colleagues. And uh, we'd love to have you back in the future. Thanks for having me on the show. To learn more about Nova Credit, visit novacredit.com. We'll see you back here on Friday as our Women's History Month Ask Farnoosh Friday series continues with our partner Prudential. This Friday, we'll be talking about insurance and how we can help women close that gap. Thanks for tuning in and I hope your day is so money.